Well, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast following Saturday's game in College Park, Maryland, where Purdue defeated Maryland 31-29. to As with all Purdue games this year, it came down to the very end. We're doing the podcast again on the road as we travel back, caught a late flight out of Baltimore and driving back from Chicago and I like doing that I like getting out after the game Uh, so we appreciate uh, the airlines working with me and fine folks at the rental car company not charging me because I didn't fill up the car so I appreciate that whoever you are nice young man but anyway with the game uh, as we mentioned another close game And those followers of the podcast understand that I've said that every week, minus Indiana State. Uh, But that's just the way it has been. That's the way it's going to be. I would expect every game Purdue plays from here till the 2022 season ends that we're coming down to the wire in every game. and I, you know, and I do think that has helped Purdue in these games. I do think they've been through it. They understand it. They know what needs to be done. Doesn't mean they do it all the time, but I don't think they get rattled. I think they stay calm. I think they're composed. Um, now it may not look like it when they're trying to play defense uh, in the last minute of a game, but you know that experience. Uh, is is so valuable because you're playing teams that are not used to being in that situation. You know, I think with Minnesota the week before, the Gophers obviously had not been in a close game. Uh, and then with Maryland, you know, Maryland had been in a couple of close games, SMU. Uh, they, they lost at Michigan. But they had, you know, controlled the teams, the other teams that they had played. And it didn't come down to a situation where the, you know, the last possession or the last, you know, two minutes of the game was when it was going to be decided. So I do, I do think Purdue's picking up valuable experience every week, uh, playing in these close games, uh, and now winning them as opposed to uh, what happened against Penn State and Syracuse. Now I don't, because I, I know a lot of people will do this and have done this. Uh, They'll they'll sit there and say, well, if you turn around Syracuse and Penn State, then Purdue would be undefeated. Well, if you're going to do that, then you got to go the opposite direction. What if you turn around Florida Atlantic? What if you turn around Minnesota? What if you turn around Maryland? Uh, Purdue's Purdue's probably sitting at 1-5. So it, it works both ways. You know, I don't, I don't think if I think if Purdue won those early games against Penn State and or Syracuse, I'm not sure they they beat Minnesota. I'm not sure they beat Maryland. So things happen for a reason in life and in football and in all sports. And I think Purdue's four and two for a reason. It's where they should be at the halfway point. Uh, they're right smack dab in the middle of the the Big Ten West which probably will not be decided until the last weekend. Uh, 
And as I mentioned last week, I, you know, Purdue, you know, today's game was a little bit meaningless from the Big West perspective, but uh, now that you have that win, I, I really do believe it put, per, per, puts Purdue in a pretty good driver's seat. Now, Illinois can say the same thing because they beat Iowa. Uh, Nebraska can say the same thing. I mean, they beat Rutgers. You know, they're 2-1. and one. Uh, So a lot of teams are still in that position where, hey, if we win out, we win the West. You know, and Purdue is, is in that position. And the schedule is not daunting enough where you, you sit there and say, well, that can't happen. Well, you know, it can happen. Now, I, I didn't watch all the Wisconsin game. I saw a couple plays. Uh, but I think they won 35-7, to seven, or they were up 35-7 to seven at one point. Uh, now, they beat Northwestern. Uh, so we'll see what happens, you know, with the new coach and what kind of impact that's going to have on them. But everybody's still involved in the West. Uh, you know, if you lost today in the West, you're still involved. Uh, six and three is probably what's going to happen uh, with that division. We probably have multiple teams sitting at six and three. And Purdue's in that position because of a, a lot of factors. Uh, they were their own worst enemy in the third quarter uh, with three turnovers on three straight possessions. But you got to credit the defense for rising up each time they had a turnover and making sure Maryland did not go down and score. Stopped them on a fourth down even. Uh, so, but to me, the, 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 key, the, the key to this game, the key sequence in this game is what happened at the end of the first half where uh, Corey Dykes got behind Corey Trice and Maryland made a big play. And it was a blown coverage. It was a busted coverage. Uh, I think it made a lot of people angry based on how they were describing it in the post-game press conference. I think there were a lot of people that were, were upset that that happened, that Purdue gave up that late touchdown. You know, and Purdue has not been particularly good at the end of the half. Now, against Florida Atlantic, Alston Burton got him in the end zone. But that was one of a few times. I, you know, I, can, I, I can't cite exact examples, but I do know at Syracuse, it's the end of the half. Purdue's leading 9-3. to three. And I think there's five minutes to go, four minutes to go in the first half. And Purdue's got a chance to score at the end of the first half and then get the ball to start the second half. Well, they go three and out. Uh, and that, that happened again at Minnesota right around the same time. Five minutes to go or so. Purdue gets the ball. They're up 10-3 to three at this point. A chance to score at the end of the half. You're going to get the ball to start the second half. You know, get a couple field goals, get a touchdown and a field goal. But, you know, move the ball. Well, again, three and out. Uh, you know, and today, same thing happened. End of the half. They got a chance. Now, they're not going to get the ball to start the second half, but they got a chance to to get some points on the board before halftime. Uh, 17-10. 
you know, Purdue's in a good position. They played well enough, minus the first play of the game when Dylan Dowling dropped a pitch from O'Connell and they lost 13 yards. And uh, it looked like the world was coming to an end because Maryland went down the field and scored quickly, like really quickly, and got a, got a lead. You thought, okay, this might be a long day. Um, but, you know, Purdue regrouped, got itself together, and then, you know, you're going to you get the ball at the end of the half, chance to get some points again, and, you know, they don't move the ball. But anyway, Maryland ends up with the ball late in the first half, and, again, busted coverage. Uh, you know, Dykes also drug uh, Corey Trice into the end zone the last 10 yards, so that was a true sign of toughness there. Uh, so that, to me, that was demoralizing for Purdue. And when they were deflated, I mean, the, the sparse home, uh, crowd which numbered in around 36,000 according to the stat sheet. And there were a good amount of Purdue fans there. But the the sparse crowd, you know, became energized. Maryland became energized. And Purdue was deflated. And they should have been. Um, you go in tied. It felt like they were behind, way behind. And you, and you felt like, I mean, we've all seen this from Purdue teams. You know, one bad play like that kind of turns everything and you just kept waiting in the second half for the breakdown that would have opened the gates for Maryland to to pull away but to me this is where things turned in Purdue's favor Uh, while the offense was stumbling on itself the defense was making stops and they were holding serve until the offense could find itself. And for the defense to come out and do what it did in the third quarter while the offense was uh, all over itself, um, I think shows a lot of growth, shows a lot of maturity. It also helps to have Jalen Graham back. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I think that's a sign of a of a mature team. It's a sign of a a team that can put bad plays behind them and and, and move on. And it almost broke Purdue. You know, Jeff Brom admitted it almost broke Purdue, but it didn't. You know, they stayed strong. They stayed together. And you know, eventually, I think that led to them winning. Is because of that that toughness element of of staying strong together. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this stuff, but you know, that's what part that's you know, plays like that eat into a, a team's chemistry. Because Purdue had worked pretty dang hard to get a lead in that game after what had happened early on. You know, Dylan Downing with the the long the you know the big loss. Maryland just waltzing down the field and scoring at will. You know, Purdue worked itself back into this game. It worked itself into getting a lead. Now, Corey Trice had a turnover, had an interception, which, by the way, is his third against Maryland. He's got four in his career, three of them against Maryland. But Purdue had worked its ass off to get back in the game and take the lead. And you felt like they were going to be up 17-10 to in pretty good shape in the second half. 
but all of a sudden you're tied and you know things could have unraveled on this group in a hurry but it did you know the offense didn't move the ball but the defense stayed stayed strong I mean the defense also while they got Jalen Graham back they didn't have OC brothers and who's been playing well at the linebacker spot so Purdue had to overcome a lot again so I mean I, I, I think that's a big 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 step for this team not not allowing one play to affect the rest of the game and I think that's what happened in this case uh, I think there's enough leadership on this team there's enough veteran guys on this team to understand like you can't uh, let a play like that ruin the whole game because when you when you take a step back and look at it okay you're tied all right you didn't lose you're tied uh, so then they were still in pretty good shape but you know as I mentioned the offense you know O'Connell had a had a sack you know was sacked and he fumbled he threw an interception which was a poor throw that bounced off Charlie Jones's hands into a Maryland defender Tyrone Tracy fumbled uh, they couldn't gain any traction uh, on offense in the uh, in the third quarter, and it was a, just a miserable third quarter for Purdue for their offense. Now, you know, again, you credit the defense, you credit for what they were able to do, you know, to get the game into the fourth quarter, and eventually, uh, you know, as you know, Maryland takes the lead as they started screening Purdue to death uh, with their quickness, uh, but one of the plays of the game and how many times has Purdue been on the other end of this where there was a blatant uh, foul or penalty that should have been called that wasn't you know Cam Allen jumped off sides on the extra point according to the replay I saw and that allowed him to block the extra point but they didn't flag him for being off sides. They threw a flag, I think, because uh, a Purdue player tried to a forward pass after uh, the block uh, PAT. But, I mean, replays clearly showed that it looked like Cam Allen was off sides. Uh, and they showed the replay in the stadium and the crowd booed which, you know, they should. You know, it was a it was a bad missed call, but, you know, Purdue's been on the, uh, the other side of that how many times? Uh, and not that it makes it right or wrong, but that turns out to be a huge play in the game because of what the, the, the things that transpired afterwards. So Purdue's only down 23-17, so all they need is a touchdown and an extra point, take the lead which they end up doing. And so they're up 24-23. You know, O'Connell hit Durham on the four-yard touchdown pass. And and then the defense gets a three and out. Uh, And Cam Allen played really well today. Uh, Had a couple pass breakups there toward the end, especially one on third down that got the ball back to Purdue. So, and this is where, you know, Purdue's trying to win the game on offense. They're trying to close it out on offense. 
run the ball on first down, and then Brown pulls a surprise and calls a pass play. He hits Durham, 56 yards, produced down to the two. Maryland's got two timeouts left. What do you do? Do you take a knee? Do you not try to score? Maryland wants you to score. They're trying to let you score because a touchdown and an extra point makes it an eight-point game uh, and gives Maryland a chance. But, you know, Aiden O'Connell purposely falls down. Uh, on first down, Maryland uses a timeout. And then I can't remember exactly what happened, but Purdue kind of fell down again. Uh you know, in, in all this, you know, Jeff Brom's trying to bleed the clock, trying to make Maryland use its timeouts, but also score. And this is where, you know, uh, fans and, and, and just observers are going to debate what what is the right call here. I, you know, I'm not sure there's an exact right call. I think what Jeff Brom did, and not just because it turned out to be right and Purdue won the game but I think you know because here's the situation alright so if Purdue goes and scores a touchdown which which it did they're up 8 uh, with a buck 20 to go Maryland has no timeouts and Maryland has to uh, go almost the length of the field although they got a pretty good kick return. But anyway, they have to get in the end zone with no timeouts, and then they have to convert the extra point just to tie the game. Okay? Stay with me on this. Just to tie the game. So the worst-case worst, worst case scenario for Purdue is Maryland scores, and they get the two-point conversion, and they tie the game, and you're probably going to overtime. Now, if you bleed the clock down for another play because Maryland only had two timeouts, you're going to give Maryland less time, okay? And if you don't score, you're still up one, and they they have less time, and they're going to take over at the one or two-yard line. Now, Maryland's trying to let you score on first, second, and third down. But if you get to fourth down and you still haven't scored, they're going to try to stop you. So, but, you know, here's the deal. If you don't get it on fourth down, if you are are stopped, and let's say there's 40 seconds left in the game at that point, Maryland needs a field goal to beat you, okay? Now, I understand they're at the one or the two, but... If they get three 20-yard completions or plays, they're in field goal range. You know, that's 60 yards. And the wind would be at their back. And I know their guy tried a 52-yard field goal that didn't make it. But what roll of the dice do you want to do in that situation? Take the one where, okay, the worst-case scenario is the game's tied and we'll go to overtime. Or run the risk of not only Maryland putting together a string of plays that puts them in field goal range for a long field goal or a busted play 
that puts them in excellent field goal position to win the game. Now, you know, Purdue's prevent defense, or whatever you want to call it, doesn't look good at this point because, you know, Maryland is, you know, moving the ball pretty pretty easily. And I, you know, some people brought up, well, Syracuse and the and the and the uh, you know late game defense. Yeah, you know, one thing about you know the thing about the Syracuse game is that Purdue helped them with penalties in that in that they helped them with penalties. They had two penalties on that drive. The only yardage that Syracuse gained was the touchdown pass. So Purdue helped them with penalties. Now. I believe it was Cam Allen that got called for P.I. Basically, he tackled the guy because he was going to catch the ball and Maryland was going to be at the probably inside the 10-yard line. So a smart play, as I said, I believe it was Cam Allen, uh, to, to only mark, walk off 15 yards as opposed to maybe walking off 30. Uh, you know, you force them to use a little bit more time uh, and force them to make make another play. So, uh, the way the situation was laying out, I think that Jeff Brom made the right call from a standpoint of what's the worst that can happen here. You know, don't don't put yourself in a position to lose the game on a freaky play. Um, and not and not just because it worked. But because, you know, I I feel like that was kind of the right move to make at that time. Now, you get debates and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, have at it. You know, talk it over amongst your friends or whatever. I mean, I I don't think he... I don't think he mismanaged the last part of the game. Um... So... But anyway, I mean, Maryland does score to uh, pull within two and you know they go for the two pointer you know and the quarterback's running around back there and and then they drop a flag you know they convert the two point play to tie the game but there's a flag illegal man downfield so they got to do it over and you know Purdue's defense stood up and forced a bad pass that sailed over somebody's head out of the end zone and then Purdue had to recover the onside kick so a lot of crazy things happen again in a Purdue football game they'll continue to happen they're not going they're not going anywhere they're going to come back uh, so you know whether you agree whether Jeff did the right thing in your mind but just understand I mean everybody's going to have an opinion on it doesn't uh, you know just because you you have an opinion doesn't mean it's right. Just like me, I mean, I that's that's my thoughts on it. I mean, I, I I think it was the right move when you factor everything into that. When you factor in what's the worst what's the worst situation that can happen and tying the game. If tying the game is the worst situation, I think that's what you go with, as opposed to getting beat on a long field goal or having some play put them in position. To kick an easier field goal. Uh, now, would he do it again in the in the same situation? We'll find out if it if it comes to that. 
bottom line is Purdue wins 31-29. O'Connell, I I don't think he's all the way back yet from his injury. Um, But, you know, I think he's getting there. I think he took some steps today. Uh, He held on the ball too long, in my opinion. Uh, he He was sacked five times, but I wouldn't blame all those on the offensive line. Maryland didn't blitz a whole lot early. Uh, they start bringing pressure late, but I think part of this too is also that the receivers are not get, are not getting separation uh, quick enough, and he's holding on to the ball. Uh, and one thing I would I would really like to see because um, what what's happening is teams are playing deep. They're trying to take away the deep ball, the deep pass, uh, and so they're leaving the flats open. And I, I really think Purdue can make a killing thrown to the running backs and I think they caught I don't have the stat sheet in front of me but at one point I counted five they had caught five balls for 40 45 yards maybe uh, I mean that's that's free yards in my opinion uh, there was a time where uh, I think in the third quarter yeah it would have been the third quarter he had Mockaby out in the flat, but he decided to go Charlie Jones across the middle, and the play was the play got broken up. Um, but I, I I think those are number one easy completions, number two they're easy yards, and basically you're extending a running play a little bit. You know, if you pick up eight yards on those plays, that's eight yards. I mean, you're second and two. Yeah, that's. I would, I would look at taking those all day until a defense adjusted to that, to force, you know, to, to force them to bring another guy down. You know, Austin Burton started throwing to the backs against Florida, Florida Atlantic, and you know that's one of Purdue's longest pass, pass plays in the last three games is 28 yards uh, to Devin Mockaby. Now they got a 32 yarder today from. Uh, Tyrone Tracy. So that's that's been their longest pass play the last three games. But I, I, I'd like to see them uh, looking at that more. Again, you're not going to hit the home runs with it. And if you're going to go underneath a lot, then why not get it in the hands? Because, uh, you know, get it in the hands of running backs who can make some plays. Or better yet, why can't you line up Charlie Jones in the backfield and run the same plays and just have him hanging out in the flats? I mean, why, why can't you do that? You know, football coaches will tell you it's more complicated than that. I don't think it's more complicated than that. Uh, I just think you get your ball to the plate. Why can't you do that with Ty- Tyrone Tracy? Why can't you do it with... You know, Mockaby, it's not his strength. I get that. But Dylan Dowling's proven that he can catch the ball. You know, put Tyrone Tracy back there and do it. Put Charlie Jones back there and do it. Um, but I do think, you know, Purdue could could benefit. At least, you know, force the defense to adjust. And if you march down the field doing that, then you march down the field doing that. Um, because I think Purdue's going to have a lot of trouble pushing the ball down the field the way defenses are playing them right now. Um, you know, the new offensive line uh, did well. Daniel Johnson's out for a while, so they had a new look today. 
you know, some of their depth is being eroded because of injuries. Um, you know, Purdue didn't run the ball particularly well from a number standpoint. I think they lost 50 yards in rushing yardage for sacks and other things. Um, so, but you're going to have a new makeup of the offensive line. Eric Miller's now on the right side at tackle. Uh, Muhammad Musa is your left tackle. Uh, Sononi Fanu is rotating in at both guard spots. Um, so they, they really can't afford another injury at that, that on the offensive line. They've got to hold up here in the second half of the year. But, you know, Purdue's in a pretty good spot, even though they've had some injuries. You know, you get Jalen Graham back today. You know, he was a, he was a star on the field. Uh, Purdue's defensive line continues to perform well. Sindor had a couple sacks. You know, he could potentially become their sack master. Uh, but the defensive line, you know, we've talked about it all year. The depth is really showing up. Uh, those guys are fresher late, late in games. Uh, and that has been a huge, huge benefit to Purdue. Uh, they, they do need to bring the quarterback down a little bit more, I think, to, to really, really, really have an impact. But you can see it with each game. They're getting, you know, closer and closer to uh, making those plays happen on a more consistent basis. Uh, so Purdue's in a good shape as it starts the second half because they are in the uh, they're in the race for the Big Ten West. They're going to be in the race for the Big Ten West. Uh, the schedule is manageable. They get Nebraska at home. Now Wisconsin could be different under the new coach. Um, and then you got Iowa, which can't score. Plays great defense, but can't score. Illinois, uh, probably the surprise team of the East right now, or the West. Um, and then you got Northwestern Indiana. Again, if Purdue can take care of its own business, then they're going to be there those last weeks of the season to try to, to try to win the thing. And you know, and they, they should have an opportunity to do that. They're probably going to be fa- you know, they're going to be favored against Nebraska. Uh, they're going to be favored probably against Iowa at home. Um, they're going to be well. Illinois might be a favorite depending on where things stand with the Illini. I mean, they'll definitely be a favorite against Northwestern home, and they'll be a favorite at Indiana. Uh, so uh, they'll have an opportunity to win this thing. And um, and we'll see see if they can get it done. You know they've got to stay healthy. They're getting some guys back now. O'Connell needs to be better. They need to cut out the turnovers. Six turnovers in the last two games, and they haven't got burned yet. But they're living a little bit dangerously. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, this edition. Uh, be back next week. We'll preview the Nebraska game. We'll find some some guy in Nebraska to talk about the Huskers and state of their program and what what's coming up with them all right well we appreciate you stopping by thanks very much and have a good day